Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca, with my co-host, Luca Halleck. Oh, I suppose I should say Rebecca Mears. We would put the Rebecca Mears in there, yeah. Because <laughs> it's important that everybody knows who you are. Oh, yes. It's very important. Do you know, listeners? Do you know now you know who I am? We are coming to you live from the top of Burnaby Mountain, and I'd like to take a minute before we dive in today with our guest to acknowledge that we are settlers here on the land of the Squamish, the Musqueam, the Coquitlam, and the Tsleil-Waututh peoples. And what that means to me is um, the reason that I do an acknowledgement is it's a way of me grounding both in the knowledge of the land that I am on and my place on it and the place of those who have been here longer than me. And there's always learning to be done in that and growth. And speaking of growth and learning, our guest today is Carrie Phillips. She is a health navigator, an advocate, and a general disruptor, which means she's a perfect fit for our show. (laughs) We like all disruptors. And um, Luca, you have the direct connection with her, so I'll pass it over to you. You can give the, uh, what is that connection? Yeah, welcome, Carrie. Thank you. Um, Carrie is um, my brother's neighbor. (laughs) <laughs> and and so that's how we met. Yes. And uh, he said to me one day, because when when I met you, you were an EMT. Yes. And and since then, you have retired from that. Correct. And moved into other things. And so my brother was telling me about what you've moved into, and I said, "Oh, that sounds so interesting. That sounds edgy. That sounds like somebody trying to change the paradigm. Do you think maybe she'd be interested in coming on the show?" <laughs> and he said, that, "He said, well, I'll ask her." And and so I said, well, I'll give you one of my cards. And he said, oh, no, no problem. I have one here in my wallet. <laughs> and I thought, ooh, score one for me. <laughs> so that was that was how I came upon you. Yes. And so I'm I'm really I'm, we're we're interested in all things you at the moment. But um, <laughs> but I'd love to start with because uh, I, I I mean I. I ambulances go past us all the time. Yep. And we don't know very much about what goes on inside an ambulance and who who's in it and who's driving it and i mean i uh, uh, to me all kinds of emergency workers just just make me want to cry because um it's it's work that that serves us at, at times when we're in our such most crisis when we're so vulnerable and and it's not easy work and it's very stressful. Um, and you guys kind of come in like angels and help us. And I'm not sure I'd be called what, an angel, but okay. well, but you know, that. but that's what it feels like when you're on the yeah. receiving end of it, right? It's yeah, like I it's like, oh my God, what do I do now? And this and this these people come in and and help us. Yeah. And and we but we in that in those moments we don't get to talk to you very much, mm-hmm. right? You're busy doing your job. So to me, it's really I'm I'm fascinated to know. Um, what made you go into this in the first place? And you stayed, you were in it for a lot of years. Yeah, 30 plus years. And you must have seen a lot of changes in the field in in that time. Oh, East Midge, yeah. 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 Just so, so, like, did, were you one of those kids who knew from the very beginning that oh, goodness, that's what no. you wanted to do? Absolutely not. Nope. <laughs> nope. Absolutely so, not. how did you 
arrive at it? How did I fall into that? Well, mm-hmm. um, uh, first of all, I started doing ski patrol. Mm. So I love skiing. And then there was ski patrol, and I thought, ooh, I get to have my skiing paid for me. Ooh, that's always a smart thing. Free skiing is good. So <laughs> I went up to the local mountains, and I did Mount Seymour, and there was the first aid ski patrol that I joined. And on there, um, there was a couple of guys that did other first aid. Um, and I should back it up a little bit. I came out of high school and worked for a year, and then I was going into nursing school. So um, my mother had suggested, you know, what are you doing? I don't know. I have no idea. Well, you you won't manage to take care of anybody. Have you thought about nursing? Okay. I liked medicine. I Mm -hmm. like biology. Okay. Let's try nursing school. So I did it for a year at VGH. Loved what I was learning. Hated the capacity I was using it in. Interesting. So I So what did you hate about the capacity? Uh, Was it being in a building? So VGH was great because you got to do three mornings a week on the ward. So it was a complete mix of. So it was then you could get your RN and this was a three-year course not a two-year course so it had a lot of practical put into it so they always said VGH nurses could come out and be right on a ward no problem. Yeah, and VGH for people who are listening who aren't in the Vancouver area stands for Vancouver General Hospital. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So I did that for a year, and as I say, I loved it. But it was an interesting quagmire because I would sit there in the morning, and I would be with my patients all morning long, and the doctor would drift in literally for mm, two to four minutes, have a quick review, do that, write orders, and walk out. And I'd be going, "Uh, excuse me, I got a whole lot more to tell you about this patient that I've just... And I would be told, no, 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 I'm sorry, that's it, that's that's what you get, those are your orders. And I'm going, this is not going to work for me. This is just not going to work for me. So I took a year off from it. And in the meantime, then I got a job, started working, had my own place, found ski patrol because I wanted to do that, didn't have the money, did that. And when I had left nursing school, I had actually walked outside of VGH Emerge one day ran into a couple of guys that were on the ambulance. And I went, ooh, that might be kind of neat. So I walked up to them. I said, hey, so I'm kind of thinking about being a paramedic, doing something. I've got a year of nursing school. They literally looked at me, looked me up and down, and said, hmm, you're short, you're female, you'll burn out, don't bother. And I went, <laughs> well, that was uh, enough uh, to okay, galvanize okay, you. Okay, thanks so much. So I, no, I did. I walked away. I totally walked away at that point. Mm. Because being in my early 20s, not having any idea, just quote-unquote quit nursing school, I thought, oh, well, okay, fine. So I got into the ski patrol, and there was a couple of other guys that were already paramedics. And they saw that I was strong because I was carrying that around. They knew I had a year of nursing school. They knew that um, uh, I was um, proficient at what I was doing medically. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were looking at that time in the mid-late 80s to go, hmm, you know, we should probably hire some females. So <laughs> that worked in my favor. Yeah. And they told me where to go, talked to the unit chief. I said I'd do one ride log. I went out on a call, a couple calls, came back, bitten by the bug bad, <laughs> and went, yep, I want in. How do I get in? Mm-hmm. And because they were hiring me, I was pretty much hired for part-time on the spot, which is not, mm. it was just unheard of in Vancouver now, and that's a whole yeah. other story. But So that was in 87, and I never looked back. And my mother, for years, kept on saying, when are you going to get a real career? Oh, God. (laughs) So that was fun. Uh, But 30-plus years later, it's been a brilliant career. I have totally enjoyed it. It was uh, a lot of fun. You know, we everybody says, that must be so stressful. And it's, you know what? Everybody has their own stresses. You have... 
banking is stressful. You know what? Working a sous chef line at McDonald's can be stressful. Yeah. It, it depends all... on what's stressed to you. Right? Exactly. So you learn how to manage it, and then in those days there was nothing. You either made it or you didn't, and it was pull up your bootstraps and off you go. Mm-hmm. And either you were going to make it in the first few years or you wouldn't. And mm-hmm. for some reason I was able to manage, and my motto has always been, it's not my bad day. Hmm. It's your bad day. Mm, and yeah. I've had bad days, mm-hmm. but I can do a little bit to make your bad day a little better. Mm-hmm. So that got me through 30 plus years. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was fabulous. It was a lot of fun, great time, love screaming around, driving ambulances. <laughs> and if you really want to know, Knowledge Network just did a brilliant job of their series of Life on the Line, mm-hmm. Paramedics. And it was a 10-part, one-hour series. Uh, It was the first time that we have ever had publicity about what we do. Mm -hmm. There's shows about firemen. There's shows about police officers. Yes, but not paramedics. Not paramedics. Mm. And the guys did a brilliant job. Brilliant job. So, so That's thrilled. good to hear from the inside because sometimes when you're watching these shows, I know. you don't know how good a job they've done. Yeah. No, I'm super proud of them. I'm proud of all the people that were on there. Several of them were my old partners, lots of old friends on it. And it was like, oh, I just missed that. Good job, guys. Yay. So we finally got some really good publicity out there, which I'm super happy about. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, wonderful. It's a great series. So, in short, um, those men who looked you up and down yep. <clears throat> could not actually take the measure of you. (laughs) What do you think it is about you that made it be such a good fit? Yeah. Well, I'm sure my partners would have a plethora of things. (laughs) Um, One of my traits generally is don't tell me no. It's never very good. Um, Two, I love. Oh, I think I think it's very good a lot of the time, actually. Yes. Hey, carry on. There's many people that will argue about that. You don't know me that well, and anyway. Yeah. Um, but that. But what you're really saying is that's just a challenge to you. It is just a challenge, yeah, right? So, so what is it? What I can't do? Can I physically not do this? No. I'm an ex-gymnast. I skied my butt off. I'm strong. So I'm only five four, but I am very strong. It's always been one of my strengths. Um, I loved what I was learning. I love the capacity that I was using it in. Mm-hmm. I love the changing current of it and being able to figure out crises and, and bringing mm-hmm. um, order to chaos because mm-hmm. you walk into chaos all the time mm-hmm. and going, great. And you never know what you're going to walk into. Never. And I love that. <laughs> so that was neat. And I really didn't know that I had that much of a skill with that. And there's times that I stumbled and I didn't do it well. And there was other times that I did it great and tons of learning along the way. And I was a primary care paramedic for 10 years and then an advanced life support paramedic for the next 20 so years. What's the difference? So primary care paramedics um, have about six, um, about six months, six to eight months worth of training. Now, uh, before it was six weekends. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's grown a lot. And uh, they come out as a basic life support or a primary care. Mm-hmm. They have a certain number of protocols that you can do. And uh, yeah, it's about an eight month, almost 12 month training mm-hmm. through the Justice Institute. Mm-hmm. Um, and after you've got that training, then you can apply for and become an advanced care paramedic. And that's so more training. 
more training. That's about mm-hmm. two years of intensive work, mm-hmm. uh, solid full-time, mm-hmm. um, very difficult, very hard, and very much in-depth. Mm-hmm. We liken it to about a third-year medical student when you come out mm-hmm. in a select area of trauma, cardiac, respiratory, you name it, we do it because mm-hmm. that's what we do. Right. Um, there's several other areas in the paramedicine, pre-hospital medicine. There's also the critical care paramedics. So they are the flight paramedics. We also have ground transfer paramedics that go from intensive care to intensive care type idea. Mm -hmm. And we also have the infant transport team, which Mm -hmm. travels around the province too. Mm -hmm. So the BC Ambulance Service or BC Emergency Health Services is a province-wide. It is not in any city. Mm -hmm. And there's certain different levels in certain cities, but it's a province-wide. So Mm -hmm. So, that's different from the fire department, right? Correct. So, exactly. So, the fire departments are municipal. Yeah. And police are either municipal or RCMP, and they have their own jurisdictions. Mm -hmm. The ambulance is under the PHSA, Provincial Health Services Authority, Mm -hmm. and they are Mm province-wide. So I could go to work literally in the morning, and I could be in Prince George if I happened to do that, or on the island, or generally not because I was ground crew and had my area mm-hmm. but I were one of my partners was a critical care paramedic um, and he came back to the street and was doing it it was also the unit chief mm-hmm. and he'd get a phone call and go nah we need one to come out of uh, Salt Spring want to go for a flight of course I do Andy let's go <laughs> <laughs> so we had a lot of fun yeah. that way mm-hmm. so it was some neat things that we could do right but you never really knew where you would end up Right, and I yeah. can see why that would be appealing. That would that's yeah. I get that. Yeah. Not necessarily for everybody. A lot of people no. like oh, yeah. to know what to expect. Exactly, and it's a different mm-hmm. breed of us humans that like yeah. the challenge of everything's new all the time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you call yourself an advocate now, and this is still in the health arena, yes. I believe. Right. Yes. So, I can see why you're why you would go into advocacy if part of what you're saying that you were drawn to in this position. Um, in this role, really, rather than position, feels role feels like a better a better term. Um, bringing order to chaos. Mm-hmm. So, as an advocate, what was the order you were trying to bring into what chaos? <laughs> so, for about the last five years of my work as a paramedic, I was thinking I need to do something else, right? Like I'm, I, I retired when I was fifty four. What am I doing? I can't just retire. This doesn't work. So, I was looking for something, couldn't find anything. So, I did retire. Had a few months off and happened to stumble along uh, a navigation and advocacy company, uh, a lady by the name of Connie Yorsvik, who is an amazing lady who's been doing this for six years now and does some epic work. And we got to talking, and she's a retired nurse, and she said, you need to come work for me. And I said, well, what the heck do you do? She says, well, I do navigation and advocacy. Right. And <laughs> What's that? What? <laughs> So we started to have long conversations. She brought me into her networking program, and that was two years ago, two and a half years ago, and I've never looked back. Mm-hmm. So before you describe that to mm-hmm. us, I just want to remind our listeners uh, that we're talking to Carrie Phillips, who's a health navigator, advocate, and general disruptor, and we're and we're looking at the health navigator advocate piece of it just at the moment, and you're listening to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. So tell us a little bit about what she described to you and what she was trying to recruit you into. So the navigation part I obviously saw as a huge need because of my 
my past of being a paramedic. So I would go into homes and there would be these people that would be calling the ambulance because they needed to go to emergency because they were in crisis. But as you peel back and do the histories, you know that they haven't been managed appropriately and this is their only avenue. If they had just been referred to this specialist, if they had just done this piece, if they had just managed to follow this regime, but why weren't they? So for years, we would see tons of these people doing this. So she said, well, no, I get hold of them, they hire me, and I actually go to the doctor's appointments with them. We have conversations beforehand. What are we going to get out of this? What are we wanting? Go to the doctors, have the conversation afterwards. She does follow-up emails, and then she says, all right, so this and this is happening. We need to do this specialist, or has the doctor looked at this? Or they've seen three different specialists, but how does that link together? So what does it mean when you go to each of these? Mm -hmm. Because classically, when we walk out of a doctor's appointment, we only hear 7 to 17 percent. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we're traumatized or we're ill or we don't understand the jargon or it's coming at us too quickly or English isn't our first language you or, 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 or. It's just amazing. And the healthcare system currently is fractured. Each of the specialties are so specialized now that they all work in silos. And the GP used to be able to do the thread between, but they don't and they can't. And in 15-minute appointment, how are they going to do that? So if I meet for a person, so I had a client the other day, we literally sat down and had an hour-long conversation. We pulled out two or three things that we wanted to achieve in that doctor's appointment. We sat down. We, now we knew and all the symptomology to go with it, so we actually got the proper information to the doctor so they could make the proper recommendations. And then we came out, and I said, well, how is that? Well, I got more information out of this than I'd ever had before. I, my doctors never talked to me that way. How can we talk? And I don't necessarily say a lot because I've already coached or trained no, but you're or teach. But I'm there, and I've got notes, and I'm taking notes, and I say, oh, well, we've talked to everything. But well, what about this that we talked about? You want to? Oh, yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. it, it's a lot of coaching. It's a lot of going along. But the it, anybody that has a complex or serious illness that they have to navigate through, mm -hmm. and that's more the older you get, and not yeah. necessarily. Yeah. Definitely there's some young people. Mm -hmm. um, it, it takes a lot. And you're mm -hmm. already ill and not feeling well. So how are you supposed to do those threads? God forbid it have anything to do with a head injury. God forbid oh, God, it have yeah. anything to do with dementia. Or a stroke or, or anything that's going to affect your cognitive ability. You've got a lovely couple that have been together 40, 50 years, and now one's trying to caretake the other. Like, the seniors coming up, it's it's just the the... It's huge. It's really huge. So it's a new industry. It's coming up. Um, we are the largest in BC currently right now, believe it or not, and we're not that big. So how many people are currently working in this in BC? In, in as navigation? Yeah. You will find yeah, yeah. a lot of one-off people. So single shingles that are being held out to do that with so websites. So this is like an umbrella area. group for it. So this is not a, no, we are no. our own company. Okay. And we have several people in Vancouver, okay. and we're always looking for A, clients, B, hiring, and all the rest of it. Yeah. But we've got several, three or four people that we utilize right now as navigators. Most yes. of them yes. are one, if two. Most of them are single entities. Yes. So 
and anybody can hang their shingle out. But most of the people that are doing this have some very strong medical background. I know of two that are retired nurses. Um, and, I, you know, paramedics, it's a brilliant fit. Oh, yeah. And as a retired paramedic, it's always difficult because paramedicine or pre-hospital medicine is a new thing. It's only been around 40, 45 years. It's, it's still very new. So all of us that are just coming up to the retirement age, all of us that are just having this bubble, a lot of us are younger going, I'd, I'd like to do something else. And we and don't want to lose all of that experience and knowledge. But Why? where really? do you go? What do you do? Yeah. So there's a bunch of people that have found new avenues for things. A lot of them are consultants for critical care, you know, but this is a new one. I don't know of any other paramedics out there. And some of them have to go off on stress leave. Some of them have to go off on injuries. Um, and it would be a new field for all of these people. So yeah. that's next steps and how to get more of my paramedic family into this yeah, type of yeah, work because yeah. it would be brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. And so how long have you been doing it now? I've been doing it over two years now. Over two years. Yeah. So... What's surprising you about it? Like you, you, you always you go into something new with an expectation of what it's going to be, and then and then you and then because you have to dream into it because you haven't done it before, and there's not that many people who have done it before, right? Right. So once you got into it, what did you find out? Uh, I'm amazed at some of the things that we find out that seems so simple to the other navigators and myself that. You know, if somebody had just been sitting beside you, this would have been sorted out. Mm -hmm. If they just asked these two, three questions, but that's so crucial. Yeah. Why did that piece get missed? No mm -hmm. wonder you've been in and out of emerge three, four times, yeah. and this didn't yeah. get there. Yeah. No wonder you've been to that neurologist, oncologist, hematologist, mm -hmm. and you didn't get that information that you should have. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was very surprising. Um, some of the other things is learning to draw boundaries. <laughs> so I'm your navigator. I'm not your caretaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can't very. call me in the middle of the night. Correct. So setting boundaries around that can be very tough because once someone has hired you, because this is a pay-for-service, unfortunately it is not part of the healthcare system, should be, mm. but it's setting those boundaries for those people because usually when they call us, because it is out of their own pocket, they are in crisis mode. Mm -hmm. yeah. And those are the most interesting and to ones to go through for sure. But it makes it pretty tough. And it would have been a whole lot nicer if it didn't have to get that bad before you got called in. So trying to actually get it across to the public about what we can do for serious and complex, complex illness to say the dollars you spend here will save you, mm -hmm. maybe not dollar-wise, but health-wise, yeah. emotionally. Quality of life. Quality of life. Mm -hmm. All of that. It saves it tenfold. Mm -hmm. And there are studies out there that say that for every dollar you spend on care coordination, mm -hmm. The healthcare system, as again, it doesn't spend, saves four to twenty-one dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, because as you're Massive. talking about this, I'm thinking to myself, well, wouldn't wouldn't a hospital want to have a little army of you guys on staff to help the the patient navigate the whole system of the interactions with the hospital? So that's the interesting part. Once you're in hospital, you're under the hospitalists. Once you're in hospital, you have a social worker there. But mm -hmm. that doesn't help you pre-hospital. No. Mm -hmm. That doesn't help you when you go back out. 
So who's got that link? Yeah. So when you're and, in the hospital, there are people that are another. there, but yeah. those ones that are living in community that end up in the eMERGE, in the eMERGE, in the eMERGE until something completely crashes, and then they go, well, this isn't making any sense, and an eMERGE physician is, you know, they're not necessarily the ones to refer them mm-hmm. to specialists and do mm-hmm. that and have a look at the whole picture. They're only getting that small snippet at that particular time and yeah. not the whole bigger yeah. picture. Yeah. It's not necessarily in hospital. Mm-hmm. It's pre-hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or post-hospital. Or post-hospital. Right. Mm-hmm. So discharge planning mm-hmm. is a huge piece of what we do as navigators mm-hmm. because they come in, they go, great, so you're out of here in this, and yep, somebody will phone you in this amount of time, and all the, uh, no, 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 and, no. And you've got a number of different possible clients here, right? Because you huge. might be the client to the caregiver. Right. You might be the, the advisor to the caregiver or to the to the person themselves who is ill or Absolutely. incapacitated in some form. So you're, um, and so how often do you get a whole family that where you're, where you're working with all of them? So that's an interesting piece because what we found out peeling back is that we do community service by teaching advanced care planning. Mm-hmm. And that's really the cornerstone of the business because that is what it's about is mm-hmm. planning your health future. So we yeah. give stories, give information, what you need out there. And that piece of doing your advanced care planning mm-hmm. is way bigger than your estate planning with your death and your will. Mm-hmm. Way bigger. Mm-hmm. And that's what people don't quite equate right now. So we've got uh, other courses that we have been teaching as empowered patients, empowered caregivers. So great. So you're both in your 70s. One has a chronic illness. The other one's caretaking. How do we help you manage yourselves through the system? Mm-hmm. Let's give you some tips and tricks on and what so to do. And so that's more affordable for somebody than having than having you because it, it, it I mean that that gives them some general knowledge to first of all to help them appreciate what you could do for them one on one but if they're not at a point yet where they are willing to make that one on one investment they can they can kind of go in with with more general knowledge to absolutely get, to get a picture of the lay of the land but they have to recognize that they might need that mm-hmm. yeah and it's usually in denial until a crisis hits right yeah yeah. 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 And so this is where you're disrupting the system. It's not yeah. normal, and yeah. it needs to mm-hmm. be needs normal. To normal. Mm-hmm. So when you talk to a teen or 20s or 30s and say, you know what, you're getting older, you need to do your will now, mm-hmm. guess what? You also need mm-hmm. to do your advanced care just, planning. Yeah. Yes, and, and they should just the go change. hand in hand. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's a ripe time to play one of your songs. <laughs> Which one are you most drawn to in this moment? Oh, good question. Oh, do Megan Trainer. Okay, so we've got All About That Bass by Megan Trainer. Why did you pick this song? Would you like to tell us before or after we listen to it? Um, this one actually my girlfriend reminded me it was one of my favorite upbeat songs from several summers ago. Just couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> and uh, I love it because it's it always blows out the um, false information that we get about women out in media and Mm. the magazines and you name it and it was just perfect yeah all right let's have a listen and a bit of a bop i think it's a good friday afternoon song (laughs) (laughs) we will rejoin carrie phillips here in the studio in just a few minutes because you know i'm all about that bass about that bass no trouble i'm all about that bass about that bass no trouble i'm all about that bass about that bass no trouble i'm all about that bass about that bass 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 yeah it's pretty clear i ain't no size too but i can shake it shake it like i'm supposed to do 
I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass. You're listening to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca, and our guest today is Carrie Phillips, a health navigator, an advocate, and a general disruptor of all things that need to be made better in the health system, <laughs> etc. We just took a listen to her first song request today, which was Megan Trainer's All About That Bass. That was fun. Yeah. I like that song. I haven't heard it for a while. Yeah. It was good. Um, you had a quote that you read out while I was uh, typing away, it sending the quotes, video. In fact. Yeah. 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 And uh, actually, before you say that, I'm just going to let everybody know who's listening. If you would like to follow along, I'm tweeting out links to the song requests and also to resources and ideas that Carrie is talking about today. You can find us on Twitter at EssentialConv. That's spelled Essence, T I A L C O N V. And you can find links there. So I'm going to probably be madly typing as you say this quote. Please take it away, Carrie. Great. <laughs> Thanks. So one of the things that I had heard from a conference that was in one of the hospitals recently, and I can't quote it completely, but um, the doctors need to change the question from what mat- what's the matter with you today 
or what can we do for you, as opposed to what matters to you. And it seems like such a subtle shift, but it's more of an encompassing of looking at long term, what matters to people, what is the essence of their life, how are they living it, what matters to them, not just, hey, we can fix this and, okay, we're going to Band-Aid and there's a dam and there's holes all over the place, so we're going to patch all those holes. But as the whole person, Mm -hmm. how does this matter to you at this point? And I think it's crucial that we shift and do that. So that we're really talking about uh, uh, wellness and not um, fixing things when people are sick. It's the mind, body, and soul. Not just the body. It is the whole person, and it needs to get back to that. And the silos have Mm -hmm. fractured it. One of the things I've noticed in the in the healthcare profession is that everybody is doing the absolute best they can do. Absolutely, within a system that is not um, as responsive as we would like it to be anymore. And and I think that things have changed since the system was designed, and and it's one of those systems that we keep patching it. Yeah. Um, but it it might be due for an overhaul. Oh my <laughs> goodness. And and patching things when an overhaul is what's needed is short term and and so th- and that fits beautifully with this with this quote. Absolutely. What was the other one that you that you uh, The other quote that I had was what I classically get people to do is we over prepare and then we go with the flow. Which is what advanced care planning is. Yeah. So let's prepare for whatever we can do right now with your set of issues now, mm-hmm. how you're living, what you want out of life. And then we're just going to play it by ear and how it goes. But it doesn't negate us preparing for that. Yeah. So when they talk about emergency preparedness and you have that kit that's sitting under your sink mm-hmm. that you've had there for 15 years because we might get the earthquake, mm-hmm. we are absolutely 100% A, going to die one day. Yes. But there's a journey on how we're going to do that. It might be long, it might be short, but we do actually have some say. And it helps to have the conversation. It's Before we're at that place where it's too late to have the conversation because we've had a stroke and we can't talk. Oh my goodness. The conversations are exactly it. Mm -hmm. One of my new favorite books is called Talking About Death Won't Kill You. (laughs) I like that. Right? So classically, I have people coming in and go, I can't talk to my kids about it. I can't bring it up. Or the kids come in and go, I can't talk to my parents about it. And they don't want to talk about it. It's like, okay, let me get this straight. You're a parent. You got a teen. You're not going to talk to them about, oh, I don't know, drugs, alcohol, pregnancy. No, you're going to have that awkward, uncomfortable (laughs) conversation. And our motto at Patient Pathways is leave a legacy, not a mess. And to do that, you have to bite the bullet and say, okay, kid, come sit down. Here's a glass glass of wine, a beer, whatever. We're going to talk about what I want towards the end of my life or what I want in the future. Then we're going to have a glass of wine and move on. Because now I've done that, you know we can move on. And if a crisis happens, you've averted 50 to 70 to 80 percent of that chaos Mm -hmm. to do that. There's a movie out there called Extremis, which is amazing because it's been done by a um, ICU doctor who also works with palliative and the families that come in that sit beside their loved one who's intubated and have 15 tubes coming out of them because they've had a massive medical crisis event and they're sitting there going, but I don't know what they want. We've never had that conversation. Why are we not 
talking about this. Or everybody in the family has a different version of what they think that person wants. Oh, well, then and that's that just... hasn't been... Because I, I... And I imagine you would have seen this when you were oh, yeah. working in EMT and you get into somebody's house. Oh, yeah. And you, you walk into whatever is the dysfunction of that family unit or oh. that community unit, whatever it is, right? Christmas dinners are always fun. Oh, God, yes. And so so there are... And, and definitely, Rebecca and I have encountered this in our in our counseling and coaching yes. end of the world, right? That that families are what they are. Yep. And and we always think, well, you know, we're the only one with a dysfunctional family, but families can be messy and dysfunctional. And so <laughs> when you walk into difficult conversations, whatever they are, whenever they are in life, you're walking into the entire dysfunction of that family and and everybody's doing the best they can with what they have. Absolutely. So, so there's there must be an element to what what you're doing when you're advocates and navigators yes. that involves you know what what are our communication skills like yes yes and how do we have those difficult conversations in general whether it's about healthcare or not right exactly. how how do we have those conversations exactly and you know what happens when parents are divorced and they're handling the health care the long-term health care of a child who needs to have where they need to all have that conversation together right? Absolutely. so so how how are you encountering this and and what are the tools that you reach for when when you're helping to people helping people to have those kinds of complicated conversations well again Usually and unfortunately right now, because it is not a norm, we are encountering it when it is a crisis. Something yeah. has happened, yeah. they've called us, yeah. and then we go in and we navigate. And so navigate. it's a different kind of plunking you into the middle of a crisis Very and having so. you figure your way out. Because now you're using the even more so psychological tools and not just medical tools. So this is my personal shift right now, mm-hmm. is that in the paramedicine world, great. I know I'm being called to a 911 call. Okay, I know I'm going to walk into chaos. Mm -hmm. It's varying levels. Mm -hmm. All right, I'll manage it. And it's for a short period of time because Mm -hmm. I'm usually in and out. Yeah. As a navigator advocate, I'm there for a longer period and more intensive period. Mm -hmm. So the shift for me is being more mindful Mm -hmm. of what is going on, Mm -hmm. which pieces I can go in and help with and which pieces I need to shuffle off and which pieces I just need to stay away from. So that's my new learning curve on how to do all of that is because I'm with them for a longer period of time. Paramedicine is very short. Mm-hmm. Go there, do it, fix it, take it to hospital, done or not. This, I could have clients for months. Mm-hmm. I could have clients for years. Mm-hmm. And you get to know these people. You get to know their families. You get to know the dynamics of how this works. Well, you're and going might... into their families at a level of deep meaning and what matters to them, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's, it's a new learning curve for me in that perspective. Mm-hmm. And mindfulness is a huge new tool that I'm working on and finding new places and educating myself on. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it has to do with my other love, which is through um, the Watson Center Brain Society. Mm-hmm. which also does mindfulness and meditation through there. And um, it's amazing the work that they've done to help people and a lot of that stuff I'm looking into now. So, yeah. So I'm sure that a lot of our listeners don't know what that is. Um, and and it's, we were, we were talking earlier about it, that it's, it's fairly new, that it's pioneering work. Absolutely. That it's, 
um, started here in the Vancouver area. Yes. Um, can you kind of encapsulate for our listeners what that basically what it involves and what you see the potential as being. Oh, my goodness. Potential. Talk about huge and disrupting. Mm-hmm. Massive. So the movie Concussion came out a few years ago. A lot of people have seen it. A lot of people haven't. It was very well depicted for the issues of post-traumatic or traumatic brain injuries. Yeah. The Watson Center Society for Brain Health is out of the Fortius um, uh, Sport and Health in Burnaby. It was started up by a fellow by the name of Mark Watson. And they treat traumatic brain injuries and acquired brain injuries, plus numerous other ones. And they have a four-pillar approach. It's on their website. It is an amazing program. Mm -hmm. I personally know it from both sides of acquired and traumatic. My sister has acquired head injuries. My husband has traumatic. Both of them were having major difficulties. I was their caregiver in varying levels. Mm. I am not anymore. Wow. I like to say they're fixed. It's amazing. Mm. So this is coming. It's the first of its kind in the world. Mm. They are talking at neurological conferences. Generally before when you had a neurological issue, you would hit a two-year plateau, and the neurologist would say, I'm sorry, that's it. I, I can't That's do anything. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. Mm-hmm. The reason being that that ended up being that way is because nobody studied it. Nobody went further. Mm-hmm. Watson has gone further. They have the evidence-based studies that they've mm-hmm. paired with UBC Neurology to prove scientific efficacy of their program mm-hmm. and personal hand, first-hand knowledge. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's mm-hmm. brilliant. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So we're doing lots of new things there, too. So... Yeah, I can't say enough about the program. Mm -hmm. And it's had, I mean, we were talking about caregivers. Yes. It's had such a profound impact on your life personally. Oh. I mean, these are two people in your life about whom you really care. Yeah. And you wanted their lives to be better quality. But as soon as their lives are better quality, your life is better quality. Completely selfish. Absolutely selfish on my part. Yeah. Yeah. No. I I mean, not, I mean, it's not only selfish. Totally. But, but. Boy, I mean, I, I'm sure there are tons of listeners out there oh. who are who are in a similar position of watching someone they love dearly, yes, and where it's stressing them to the nth degree to try and help them, but they can't step back from helping them because they love them. That's right. So it's about at this point for most people, it's about managing, mm-hmm. and as a caretaker, like I've only just allowed myself. Um, as I was saying earlier, to actually consider what the next five or ten years of my life would be like. And it would not be pretty. No. I would have had to get outside help. I would not have survived myself. I'm quite sure it would have been very, very bad. Um, And I'm a navigator. I I know the system. I I know where to get help and do that. But to help them understand that I couldn't do it anymore and to pull other people Mm -hmm. in, it would have been... uh, Yeah, I can't even fathom it. So now... My life has opened up again. I can actually continue to pursue what I love and is changing. And I've found new things through Watson. I've found new things through Patient Pathways and doing my navigation. And they both fit and dovetail together, helping caregivers now and setting up, helping set up programs for them, having the people. My sister has a whole new lease on life. She was starting to be a minor hoarder. I took 35 huge bins out of her uh, 600 
square foot apartment over a two-year period prior to finding Watson. Yeah. Now I can't get in because she's cleaning it up, and she's going, "Why the heck do I?" And you have could this have just helped, you could have just cleaned out the apartment, but that wouldn't have got at the reason she was hoarding. That's right, right? and the reason is is because. I'm only going to get worse. I'm going to get dementia and Alzheimer's. That's the what the neurologist told me 10 years ago, so I'm going to get that, and this is how this is going to work. And it's mm-hmm. no. Her anxiety, that was her depression. Con- that was her advanced health planning when you feel like you got to do it alone. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yes. Exactly it was. She could with if what I she can't knew. leave the apartment, then I will have everything here mm-hmm. that I need. And fair enough, mm-hmm. she did what she could to manage it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, her anxiety, depression, it's not better. Gone. Gone. Amazing. <laughs> so when you were talking about being able to do the things you love, part mm-hmm. of what you love is is learning and, and expanding your professional boundaries, but part of what you love is is sailing and skiing and hiking and yep. it sounds to me like being out in nature. Absolutely. And That's doing things that require Physical. Um, physical participation. Well, I'm not hauling patients and cots around anymore. Well, yeah. So that's kind of nice for yeah. my back and my yeah. knees. I mean, I do have one bad knee, so my skiing days are mm, not so great. Mm. But I love my hiking. I love my sailing. The mountains and the water are definitely where I regenerate and go for long walks with my dogs. Um, you had a bit of an older picture that you've had up there. My white dog, the big white one, Finnegan, is now gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a new guy, and Sir Turtlewood is a lovely big cuddly boy <laughs> oh what a great name and riley is the other little one it's actually my girlfriend's dog and he's called a chihuahua <laughs> because he's a jack russell and chihuahua cross ah, and riley is 11 now before. right so this little guy yeah. no no dust on him he is just an amazing thing we went on a 10 kilometer hike the other day the little guy kept up the whole time That's so amazing. he's doing really he must well be incredibly fit yeah, well, it's so, I mean, you're looking at, you were talking earlier about boundaries and yes. about knowing what's yours to deal with and what isn't. Yes. But I think one of the other things for all of us who are in um, the service professions yeah. is making sure that we're uh, taking care of ourselves. It's the self-care and balance piece of our lives, which in many ways is part of what you're counseling people to do Exactly. With their own lives, because part of it is taking care of, you know, whatever might go wrong with them physically. But, exactly. But the other part of it is balance, right? Absolutely. For, whether you're a person is a caregiver or um, is looking at taking care of their own health. Right. Um, how did you How did you get into sailing, and and what does it do for you? Oh goodness. Um, I, I grew up uh, sailing lasers on Okanagan Lake at my cousin's place um, at a summer camp. Well, lasers used, are pretty small They're small. Right? They're so the starter sailboat. They are, and yeah. I didn't know much about it, but I sailed. Um, I went to summer camp, and they had sailboats. My father got a Sam 121 and then a Sam 124 in my teens. And, and 21 and 24 refers to the number of feet long correct. that the sailboat is. Correct. Right? A yes. 21-foot and a 24-foot. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we we used to go out sailing on that. So that was fun. And it wasn't a total passion. It was nice. It was mm-hmm. good. And he did a little bit of racing with friends. And I'd never done the racing. My older brothers had done a bit of that years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it fell off the map for various and sundry reasons, where I lived, what I did, all the rest of it. Um, and when I met my, hus- my now husband in 2001, 
Um, it was a bit of a whirlwind and pretty quick. It was interesting because, you know, we'd be three weeks into the relationship and people would go, how many years you guys have been together? Because mm-hmm. like, it felt like much longer. No, no, yeah. it's only been a couple of weeks. And they're going, mm-hmm. seriously? Anyway, long story short is he had a, a J24, which is a 24-foot J-boat, and he raced it. So it was sort of like, well, this is great. It's fun. Do you want me to go sailing? Sure. Because all I've ever heard about racing is that you yell at each other a whole lot. And it's really not a fun time. So, yeah, let me go sailing with you because this will either make or break the relationship. So, yeah, bring it on. Let's see it. So I went out racing and it was like, holy crap. (laughs) I like this. You guys are all inclusive. You have fun. You're serious. There's no yelling unless there's a safety issue. But you also bring on new people and you do a ton of teaching, too. And Okay, this is just way too much fun. <laughs> so we had that J for oh, 50. Well, he had it for years ahead of me, and then we had it up until five years ago. And we now have a CY 8-meter, which is a Curry Yachts one-off specialty race boat that a friend of ours designed and built. Wow. Nice. Clint Curry. Um, and he uh, built it and owned it for many years and then sold it, and we bought it from him, and he still sails with us. We love having Clint on board, mm-hmm. and we have a blast. <laughs> it's just a lot of fun. So I have definitely got the bug. I never really thought that I would be, and everyone goes, no, no, you're a good sailor. No, no, I'm not. Those two are good sailors. I, it's all relative, right? It is, yeah. because four years ago, a girlfriend of mine, Kelly Wharton, said, hey, I'm going to go down to um, Heineken cup which is in st martin i'm gonna rent a, a sailboat it's just and that's bare in boat. the caribbean right st martin st martin is in the caribbean i'm gonna rent a bare boat which just means you only fly the white sails you don't fly spinnakers mm-hmm. and um i'm taking a bunch of girlfriends would you like to come down sure okay so great i'll be crew no problems so we all got together and went great so who's gonna do what so is somebody gonna helm is somebody gonna steer this thing and i'm looking around going seriously ladies come on well you own a boat you own a race boat you could okay i own a 26 foot boat and you want me to helm a 50 footer can we discuss this a little bit no 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 you'll be perfect carrie you'll not oh my god and And you and you could do it so it was a really interesting first year doing it and yes we all did it so we had a blast but again talk about pushing boundaries talk about learning about yourself and how to do it so it was like it it was a lot of fun a lot of fun so for four years in a row every other year the girls go we decided the boys could come last year so we brought them along so it it's been great and an amazing learning curve but yeah it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun yeah Bracing is not all about yelling. <laughs> no, but it but it's your life it seems like is all about learning. Yeah. And and the whole bringing order to the chaos. Yeah. And problem solving and taking on the challenges and expecting mm-hmm. unique problems as the playground. That's your playground. It's yeah, true. It's pretty cool. That is true. Yeah. 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 And the joys of disrupting cuz there's a downside to disrupting. It's hard work. It is. But 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 when you have those little breakthroughs, it's amazing. And when you get to pioneer changing the system, oh, some of the stuff so that we're worthwhile. doing is such a change game changer for the healthcare system. It has to come. It's not going to survive. This has to change. So we're working on all sorts of little projects on the side that are going to help with that and some exciting things So your dream coming. right now, what are you dreaming into? 
That's a good question. What am I dreaming into? <laughs> it's a Rebecca kind of question. <laughs> it is. But Luca asked it this time. Oh, good. I'm running <laughs> off on you. <laughs> um, I guess the biggest learning curve for me right now, I, I would say, is my mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Being more present, being more focused, learning how to manage my long term with people. Mm-hmm. So my dream is that... Um, I find some more peace in that as opposed to reactivity because that's what I've done for 30 years is reactivity mm-hmm. and I can't uh, yeah, yeah. do that as much yeah. anymore. So you're, you're developing a different muscle now. I am. I am. And I'm working hard at that. Mm. Not necessarily succeeding all the time, <laughs> but you know, mm-hmm. it's okay. Mm-hmm. Failure is just a new opportunity. <laughs> so there's a lot of good things that way. Dreams are to see, we do have a project that I can't really say mm-hmm. that if that one actually goes, that would be my dream. Mm-hmm. So when it goes, how would people <laughs> find out about it? You'll know. Trust me. It'll be that big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. It'll be that big. But if people want to f- kind of follow along with what you're up to, how can they stay abreast of what you're poking around in and where you're bringing in new things? And cause I, because I think this is you're going to just keep on expanding your yeah. horizons here. The biggest thing that people can do right now is actually educate themselves about advanced care planning. Mm-hmm. And they can contact you to do that. Absolutely. Right? They can do that through our website, Patient mm-hmm. Pathways. Okay. There's a whole um, drop-down side there that says um, plan ahead, and it's advanced care planning. Mm-hmm. We also have uh, a sheet up there that's an in case of an emergency form mm-hmm. that we've has been on and off for years. Organizations have done it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we got together at Patient Pathways and developed this, mm-hmm. and it's branded now, and you can download it free off the website. Wonderful. But it's a very important document that if you actually follow it and post it on your fridge, if mm-hmm. a crisis happens, you have the document right there. there. You mm-hmm. can take this to doctor's appointments with you. Mm-hmm. So there's tons of good information out there about that and it is about planning ahead and same with the watson society for brain health it's the same thing about navigating through that figuring out about the caretakers and the new program that's coming up this fall there if you go to the Mm -hmm. website Mm -hmm. there's a new program for caretakers and it doesn't have to necessarily be with acquired or traumatic head injuries if people are dealing with it Mm -hmm. so there's that Um, and there's a ton of good information on that website too Mm -hmm. so and Patient Pathways so is hiring. Mm-hmm. We're all hiring. <laughs> so if you want to yeah. be a navigator, you want to mm-hmm. be an advocate, call us. Mm-hmm. And if you would like our services, have a look on the website. And I imagine this whole field is is shifting and growing and changing. And so it, the people who come on board now would, would come on and, and help. Absolutely. To, to grow this whole Absolutely. thing and, and influence what direction it goes in. And So McLean's Magazine has said that, that one of the top 10 growing businesses in Canada today is healthcare navigation. Mm. So, and the Mm -hmm. different societies, again, they're working in silos, the heart and stroke, the Alzheimer's, the whatever society that has, and they say, we all have navigators, but Mm -hmm. only in their area. What we Mm. do is the broad spectrum over across. Well, it reminds me of wraparound care, Mm -hmm. except this is the proactive managing of all of the creating the connections across those silos yes these siloed industries these yes. siloed professions yes yeah it's like a neural network it is and it, it's funny the last I mean, two funny. years 
<laughs> I am not a networker. You could have talked to anybody yeah. in the paramedicine for yeah. 30 years. Yeah. I am not a networker. I have done well, more networking now. in the last two years, yes. and right. it's been amazing yeah. how, for me. It's just been astounding. Things have just kind of plopped into place as it went along. Yeah. Like meeting you, Luca. Like <laughs> It was like, you want to be on a radio show? Okay. I think so. Yes. What I've is never that? done. She said, I don't I've know never done doing. that before. I'm kind of nervous. Yeah. I'm so glad you have because these concepts are ones that uh, they are new. They are yes. on the cutting, cutting edge. Who, who knows to ask for a health mm-hmm. navigator until they know that exists? I know I've heard many people say they need something like this. Yes. But they, when they say that, there's also the, but it doesn't but there exist. Isn't that's yeah. the shadow part of what they're and saying. Now, there is. now I know where to refer people and everybody who's been listening knows that there is somewhere they can go to find one. And doctors are starting to figure this out, too. Um, Connie Orsvik, the founder owner of the company, uh, had one client the other day that she managed to navigate through to find out that there were two neurological issues going on, not one. Mm-hmm. And they were only looking at the one. And she pushed and pushed to get more testing done, found two doctors the neurologist said this is incredibly rare for the two exactly she's had a massive change in her whole life Mm -hmm. she was almost going to be bedridden almost going to have to be put into care she walked her daughter down the aisle last month wow and on the other side of this i think that it is so stressful for people in the healthcare profession yes to never be able to to do a good enough job because they're hampered right. by all of these issues that they don't have the resources um, or or the purview to to take care of themselves. So then they don't have any job satisfaction then. The moral distress yeah. that is going on with healthcare yeah. workers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the secondary trauma from it's, all of these traumatized patients they're dealing with. Um, right? it, it's epic. It's just, it's out of control at this point. Well, I'd like to see this hit the mainstream and get to the point where this becomes something that is funded. So could you imagine, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Your Blue Cross what Extended Health yes. oh. says, you know what? We're going to pay for five to ten yeah. hours yeah. of healthcare navigation for you. Because that's going to And it should be part of the standard package, not even an opt-in, but standard package. So having said that, though, for them to offer it, you have to have the people out there to do Ask the and, work. Yes, and people so asking for it. So we're in a bit of a quagmire yeah. there. Yeah. Is it the cart or the horse or yes. which one goes yes. for it? Or how do well, you build that? Well, and I think that? it has to be both sides because does. training programs will be developed for it. Yeah to produce the mm. professionals who can do it yeah. when there's enough people asking for it. Yeah. Yeah. And so even the doctors are starting. So as I was saying with that neuro- neurological issue, mm-hmm. the doctor came back to Connie and said, we need like a thousand of you. Mm-hmm. Yes. The doctors are starting to get it. Yes. And yeah. when I sit yes. in a doctor's office. And then they office, start asking for it. So we are almost out of time here. Carrie, this is just like obviously oh, we so much. We can talk for a whole week here. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for joining oh, us thank today. thank you for asking me. I'm so yeah, grateful. It's such a pleasure. So grateful. We'll have to come, have you come back again when you get on to the next piece. More yeah. than happy to. So for everybody listening, I have been tweeting out links uh, so that you can find your way to the Watson Center for, let me see, what's the name of it again? Watson Center Society for Brain Health. Thank you. Yes, you can find a link to that. And I've also sent out a link to Patient Pathways, which Thank is you. where you are working. Thank you. And if you follow up on those, all of our listeners, you are going to find a treasure trove. Yes. And until next week. I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach.
increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahalix.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep, yep. Oh, 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 oh. Happy, 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 boing, 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 bo